Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Sandoval. Happy to be here to talk about our faith. Today, we have a special show. We've got a couple of uh, special guests. Hopefully, Melissa will be able to join us. But we've got Stephen and Melissa Davies, who are good friends of mine from Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. Um, today, we're just going to talk about families, what it means to be a Catholic family, what's going on with Catholic families, what are the things that we think about and worry about as far as our children's education, where are we going to send our children, how are we going to teach them to be good Catholics in this world. But before we get started, let's go ahead and start with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Holy Mother Mary, of, God, of God, pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Stephen, good morning. Morning, Dr. Luis. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How have you been doing? Uh, yeah, well, well, thank you. Let's see. I've had you on the show before, though. We've, we, you mm -hmm. were on not too long ago, maybe a couple of three months ago, four months ago. I don't remember. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Long. Exactly. We were yeah, talking, what were we talking about that time? We were talking about Catholic masculinity, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. And kind of what yeah. it means to be a man, and how have you felt like more of a man since then in, in the Catholic? <laughs> what, absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. That's what happens, right? You come on the show, and it's like, wow, I exactly. Just, look at this man. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny. Ever since then, I probably feel like, what am I doing as a guy? You know, yeah. like, you have all these ups and downs, and I, I have yeah. ideas. Some days I wake up. One of the things that I tell my friends, tell me what you think about this. One of the things that I tell my friends is, you know, sometimes we ask ourselves, like. What does it mean to be a man or uh, you got to man up or be a man and i think mm -hmm. one of the hardest parts is you stop and you look at it and it's like no you already are a man now what does that yeah. mean you yeah know, it, it feels like it's something we need to get to but the reality mm -hmm. is like we're already there but what yeah do about it? what are your thoughts yeah i think it's interesting it's it kind of i catch myself in that line of thought as as a man or just like, you know, how can be a better father? How can be a better husband? All that kind of stuff where it's like, well, I mean, you're, you are all those things or I am all those things. So it's, 
it kind of makes it more unattainable instead of just like, no, okay, reality is here it is. I have my faults, I have my strengths, but it's like, you just got to keep moving forward. Uh, so I, I personally find that it's, it just makes any progress harder and unattainable because it's like, I have to be, I have to do this, I have to do that, or I should be this, or I should be that. So it's, it's more of, I mean, here, here's where I am and like, God help me and, you know, and being better, be better, you know, man, a husband, a father, whatever it may be. And also it's like, we're all in the same boat, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's easy to look at other, other men and, and say like, oh, they have this together, they have that together, but it's like, you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. So it's, it's more of, you know, how can we, um, how can we just actually be in it and, and make progress and also be present to, to where we are and, and not kind of judge ourselves and, and be hard on ourselves, you know? It's interesting that you mentioned that because it does feel like, you know, you're growing up and, and, uh, you get this image of like, oh, I just pretend like I'm in first grade. And I get this mm. image of like a sixth grader or seventh grader in my school, you know, it was first through eighth. And I'm like, wow, it looks like something. And also I get to sixth or eighth grade. I'm like, that's not what I thought it was. And <laughs> yeah. the thing is like, I, I keep growing up. It's like mm. you see men or, or adults and you're like, oh man, when I'm 25, I'm, I'm going to have my life totally together. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? When I'm 40, I'm going to have it all together. And every time mm. I hit these goalposts, it, it's like, this is not what it feels like. But more yeah. importantly, you mentioned something very important. It feels like, you know, every day it's like, man, I, I see my weaknesses more. Or I see what I got to work on more. You know mm -hmm. what that did for me or what does that for me all the time? Because since we since we last spoke, you're now a three-time father, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, three kids. Well, the first book, you yeah. were a two-time father. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now you're a three-time father. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate um, it. Yeah. And so what I realized too for, for me is, is, you know, you think you got all together when I got married and Ashley and I got married, it's kind of like, you have this image of this is what our life's going to be like. This is what yeah. like. same thing. Also, I got married. I'm like, oh, that goalpost changed. And yeah. then I think of nothing else. Having kids was what I, you know, you think, how, you know, you think, or at least for me, you know, okay, I'm a man. I've got this going on. But then I have a kid. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to grow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in different Absolutely. ways. Not that, not that you're not growing up, but in different ways. Yeah. I mean, you experienced that? What were your thoughts when you started having kids? Yeah. I mean, it definitely pushes you in selflessness. Um, and I think that's, that's like the biggest thing. And, and that's really the biggest thing when I, when I speak to other people and have conversations, whether it's all ages, young adults, married, um, people with kids, without kids. And the, the reality is like having kids brings out a, a different side in you and, and it forces you to be selfless and it forces you to, to not think of yourself and, and it changes your focus too, just out of necessity. And so I, I definitely see um, a difference in myself. And then also I can kind of see it when looking at other people and where they are in their own lives. Like I, I do see now from the other side of like how having children does take you out of yourself. Um, though funny enough, it's like, I do always find myself, part of me is just like trying to, you know, you know the selfish part of me is like trying to get my own time, trying to get this, trying to get that trying to get back maybe what I had before. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's always this a bit of a struggle of selflessness and selfishness um, and, and, you know, dying to self and, and that's through marriage as well and through having kids. So I think it's um, I, I, yeah. So I think kids definitely brings out a lot of different things. Um, and, and also in, in terms of um, 
you know, I thought I was a pretty patient person, but it's like kids, <laughs> uh, it brings out a whole different side of you. Kids like, okay, right? Yeah. Like, not quite as patient as I thought. So it's, it's certainly learning, you know, growing in patience. And again, it, it all kind of comes down to selflessness. Cause you know, I, you know yeah. it's funny. It was sorry to interrupt you, but you know, it's funny. Yeah. It, one of the things with having kids, it, it made me realize like, you know, like on, on the outside, like I see parents and I'm like, dude, what are you doing with your kids? Like they're all over the place yeah. or something or whatever. Yeah before you know before being a parent yeah. before getting married and it's like i saw that and i think when i have kids yeah no way <laughs> exactly. are you kidding me yeah, like, yeah. my child and also you become exactly. a parent and i think that you know the same like people say unless you're a parent you don't get it or yeah it, in, in many ways it's kind of like it's kind of like god revealed in, in, in that you start to see things that you could never see before to the yeah. point where what was most revealing to me with having kids i don't know what's happened to you but it was all of a sudden I had these little light bulbs that go off and it's like, oh my God, my parents were right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do I ever want to admit that my parents are right? Yeah, How can yeah. I have kids? And I'm like, oh my goodness, my parents are right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of other things make sense or, or their decisions, or you start to see the decisions they made that you didn't like, but you're like, uh, that was actually pretty prudent or smart. And so you kind of, you know, you take those on uh you know for yourself and and your own parenting decisions so yeah i mean it's it is it is interesting because it's you know i mean say we're we're at the same divine liturgy it's like you know uh my kids are kind of all over the place and it's just like you know it is what it is um and that's uh, it's the beauty of also you know byzantine church where it's uh it's more sensorial so they can kind of move around but it's you know I remember, I think, you know, growing up was like, oh, those kids are nuts or, you know, those kids are crazy. Like, why aren't they just sitting still? But I'm like, my nope. children will sit still like soldiers. That's for sure. You know, it's funny. I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever had that until they, I know once they get older, of course they, they do, you know, eventually have to sit and be bored yeah. like the rest of us. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. no, but try to, you yeah. know, it's funny. And that's the other thing too, is that the liturgy for me goes so much faster because unfortunately I got to watch the kids and you know, or I'm, I yeah. got you got to keep the eye on. I'm like, wait, I don't even know what part is. Sometimes like I miss part. Yeah, but exactly. I, and at first I was really, really frustrating. And I'd go into liturgy thinking, man, I like, I didn't get anything out of it or you know, not, not, mm-hmm. you know, but like, I didn't focus. I didn't pray. I didn't hear this part. Yeah. I wish I could have heard the homily more, but what I forget too, is that, you know, as married couples, we are a sacrament ourselves and it's like taking yeah. care of the kids. That's our liturgy right there. That's part yeah, of it. Like yeah. we're in a liturgy within the liturgy, even as we are running up and down the aisles, you know, taking, yeah. taking them out back or you know, yeah, exactly. through a liturgy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time out by the fountain. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Here, same, so it's, same it's a tough, uh, it's a tough situation, but um, when you, we, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about the liturgy too, because here's a question for you. This might be a little bit of a tough question. I don't know if I have an answer for it or just any way you want, but when, um, what would your life be like right now? So now that we're married, now that we know what our, and I can't say what, know what it's like to be married because your marriage is different from mine. You know, every marriage is going to be different, but yeah. now that you're married, now that I'm married, and now that we have our kids and we're, we're in our marriage situation, what do you think that would look like if we did, oh, well, we're coming up on the break. I want to ask the question. And after the break, I want to hear your answer. Okay, we got about okay. 30 seconds before the break. But my question is, what do you think your life would look like if we were not following the Catholic faith? Mm. I have to think, think about that because... Um, yeah. Does it make a difference or not? I, I sometimes take it for granted because it's so ingrained. But mm-hmm. when we come back from the break along here, does it make a difference? If we didn't have the Catholic faith, would we still be married? I don't know. Well, yeah. more after the break.
All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today's show, we are talking about Catholic families, what it means to be parents for us individually. Everybody's going to have a different meaning of that. And we have a special guest, Stephen Davies, and we will probably be joined by his lovely wife, Melissa Davies, in a few segments, just to talk about our faith, just to talk about, gosh, you know, what it means to be Catholic and, well, Catholic and have a Catholic family. And before the uh, before the break, I asked you a question, Stephen. Kind of a big question. Uh, or who knows? Maybe for you it's easy, but for me, I was like, that's kind of an interesting question. Is mm-hmm. there a difference between you know what what does it mean to have our Catholic faith incorporated in our marriage and our relationship versus if we didn't have it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I have a, a range of thoughts. I mean, I think a there's a practical side of. Uh, you know, what do you do on Sunday morning? I guess you'd sleep in and just kind of hang out. Um, but I think more so it's, it's definitely an, an anchor in a lot of different ways that I see, um, that would be missing. So yeah, it's just uh, pretty much anything would be on the table at that point. I'd say, I mean, basically our faith guides us in our, in our, in our morals and how we see marriage and how we see raising kids so I think say with marriage, yeah, I guess, you know, if times get tough, you could just be like, well, I think that's it. You know, we'll, we'll get a divorce and and move on. Um, or with kids, it's like, you wouldn't have the same, we wouldn't have the same kind of uh, problems with what society is, is pushing on our kids right now. So I think that's, that's even a big one too, of like uh, with we didn't have our Catholic faith in our marriage, um, raising kids would look very different. Uh, cause obviously more and more, uh, what society is, is kind of giving us as a, as a golden standard for life is pretty much opposite of what the Catholic church is teaching and, and what I'd say is kind of, um, kind of fundamental truths in a sense. So I think there's just so many different things and it's, it's really hard to, honestly to say how that would look like without her faith but it, it just kind of off the top of my head that those would be the the big big differences it's true because you know it's funny that you mentioned that because the first thing that's kind of the first thing that i thought, thought of too like one i'm so used to growing up catholic that i mm-hmm. i don't know the world without it technically speaking even yeah. if i would say gosh i'm not following the faith right now or i fall i've fallen away mm-hmm. as we say you know things like yeah. that. Even, even if that were the case I still know the Catholic faith. So I fall yeah. away from something, from something that I know I should be following. So I've known that my whole life. But it's interesting that you said because you're right. I I've never not been Catholic, so I don't know what it would officially mm-hmm. look like. But the first thing I thought of was I don't know that I'd still be married. Yeah. Like there'd be more not that I'm you know, not that I want to get a divorce or anything like that, like I'm I'm, I'm perfect yeah. married. But when I think about it and I think what is it that our faith brings to the table when it comes to family, mm-hmm. I think really gives us that at least for me it gives us that sense of mission mm-hmm. where yeah. like i've got to do something it's kind of like a soldier at war almost not that it's a war but you got a mission yeah. you got a purpose like hey this is our purpose we got to go in here's what we got to do on our way to fulfill this mission there's going to be roadblocks landmines things like that that you got to be careful mm-hmm. it's not going to be fun but you're going to you're going to get there i think the yeah. Catholic faith gives us the same thing in terms of our relationship of like hey you're going to get married it seems like it's great at the wedding because oh yeah, great. Yeah. But and all of a sudden, as you're as you're living the life, be careful because there's landmines and things like that. As, as one blows up or as something goes wrong, what's keeping mm. me here? You know, why not? Say, yeah, oh, no, this road's too tough. I got to get off this road because I thought it was just going to be a peachy keen. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, and also uh, it kind of forces us to, in a sense, um, 
to practice uh, forgiveness within marriage and, and, um, and also, uh, yeah, just, you know, kind of fortitude, I guess, like we're, we're in it, you know, we're, um, this is till death do us part, you could say. So it's like, this is, and again, like you're saying, it's a mission too. So it's not just for, you know, right now for like, oh, we're just going to, you know, um, just here to spend the time on earth together, but, but it is more of an eternal mission as well. Um, but, but I think also it's like, yeah, it just, it, it gives you an opportunity to practice virtues because, um, because you don't really have a choice if, if you really buy into what, um, you know, the Catholic church is offering us, uh, in terms of our view on marriage, uh, where again, if, you know, um, if not, it's like, yeah, if times get tough, you can, you can move on or if, or if this, you know, mutual, uh, kind of selfishness of you're just fulfilling my selfish desires or whatever. And then once that mm-hmm. ends, we can just, you know, separate because we're no longer fulfilling each other and our own kind of, um, yeah, desires. So I think it's, it's a, it's, it's a call to virtue. It's a call to, um, just to kind of live beyond yourself and, and also, to ask for God's help and, and live with, uh, and God's grace to, to make this happen, you know? Um, so it's funny you mentioned that because it's, uh, you know, like you're saying, is this fulfilling my selfish desire, so to speak? And not that we're, we shouldn't expect something from marriage in terms of our happiness, mm-hmm. right? We don't yeah. But I always go back to like, whenever I do couples counseling or anything like that, if that ever mm-hmm. comes up, one of the things that I go back to is, you know, in the marriage vows, I never promise to make sure that you make me happy. <laughs> yeah exactly. i'm only promising my end of things that i'm a, yeah there's the expectation yeah. that you promised to do but yeah all i'm focused on is whatever you promise and i totally lose sight that the fact that i said i'm going to do all this for you you yeah. know i think in the marriage it's easy to forget that oh wait i'm supposed to be actively working towards your happiness yeah exactly I'm to be actively working for your well-being not my own and i'm dependent on you to work on my well-being so uh, yeah. really that interdependence is pretty huge yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it is. And, and I think that's where, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, um, when you put your spouse's happiness first and even your children and you're, you're, you know, dying to self and just putting their needs for it, it's just like, there is a joy that's there. And then a lot of times it does come back and they, and, and, yeah, it's just kind of reciprocal per se. And again, you're not doing it to be reciprocal, but it's like you're doing it because it's out of love and you want to make them happy or you want to do something for them special yeah. or, you know, sacrifice time or whatever it is. It's like it it is always this, you know, giving is yeah, it's just there's there's uh more joy and and fulfillment in that, but it's a deeper joy. It's not just a surface level joy. You know, it's it's uh yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's funny because I think it naturally reciprocates. I think that we yeah. forget that it's kind of like, um, you know, like like I know Christmas is going to be coming in a couple months, and it's always better to give than to receive, and the joy yeah. of Christmas is giving. And really, when we give and we we focus on how can I love the other more, we don't even once we do that, we don't even realize that it actually comes back to it's almost like a wave in the ocean. And it's like it seems yeah. like you're, you're you know you're chasing the wave that's going off the off the shore, but then also it's just going to come right back to you, even bigger mm-hmm. than what you're chasing. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that was really key too. Was um, you said it teaches us forgiveness more. And you know, it's funny, I had the, in terms of forgiveness, I think it's helped me to teach a little bit more, um, or how how should I put this? 
more forgiveness of self. But what I realized, I've been apologizing more mm, yeah. to, my, to my family. Just, just the other day, it was like I was, uh, it was late at night. I was working on something. I was, I needed no interruptions. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Do not interrupt me because I'm going to lose my train of thought. Yeah. The world's going to fall yeah. apart. Exactly. <laughs> um, and my kid wasn't doing much. She was just hanging out there. She was reading, but she was reading really funny books. So she's laughing out loud. And the whole time, I'm like, you know, like what's going yeah. and then when it came time yeah. to bedtime i was like okay you just gotta go to bed and she was like yeah. she looked at kind of like something like i was i was getting all worked up and she looked at me like mm-hmm. what are you like and like why are you yeah. so frustrated but she didn't know what was going on inside. and the next mm-hmm. day i felt so bad i was like you know what she didn't need that she didn't know what was going on like, yeah so i actually apologized you know and she, she's you know she's young she's like 10 years old and she's looking at me like like i don't get it like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. here, but i don't get it. but i'm like no yeah. but that's something for me and i'm like at that moment, I was like, you know what? I got to apologize to you. I was out of line. You know, you didn't deserve that. I was frustrated. Yeah. And I think that it's one of those things that for me, it was cleansing because I was like, I really need to apologize to my kid because I messed up. Yeah. And I think for her, it'll be probably one of these things that hopefully will in the future stick with her to realize parents are, you know, they, they can make mistakes too. And if I'm a parent, I can apologize or that was a good moment or, you know, yeah. I don't have to live in this world where, you know, I'm always walking on pins and needles in the house or things yeah. like that. But that was yeah. pretty key. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I kind of had a similar situation uh, two nights ago where, you know, I think we're just trying to get stuff cleaned up after dinner and get kids to bed and they're just kind of nuts and um, going crazy. And um, my middle child, Leo, um, I th- you know, I was just getting fresh with him and just kind of like cool. raising my voice a little bit of like, all right, come on, like lean up this stuff. Blah, blah. So it's, you know, and he actually very astutely, he's like later on, he's like, it's like, Dada, why are you, you know, why are you raising your voice? I was like, that kind of hit me hard because I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. there's no reason for me to raise my voice out of frustration because you're not cleaning up because you're two years old and right. I have all these expectations. <laughs> and I'm like, you're, you know what? You're 100% right. And so I, I apologize to him. And then um, I, I ended up just like spending some time one-on-one with him. And like, you know, we have like magnetic tiles. So we built uh-huh. a... um a tower together. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really a beautiful moment because it's like, we then got uh, to just hang out and like do something and have fun together. And then uh, yesterday, Melissa told me, she's like, you know, when I was, I was praying with them, because she always asked the kids, like, how did you, how did you see God love you today? And oh, then cool. right away, he said, when, when Dado and I built a tower together. So it was that beautiful thing of like, I felt I was happy that like this, you know, my, this time together, like he felt God loving him through that. And also like, I, you know, I wanted to make sure we spent that time together to, to kind of like redeem my shortcomings as a, as a yeah. father and my frustrations. Um, and also of like me being intense and just trying to, you know, like, okay, yeah, there really isn't a reason for me to do that. Um, it's, it's usually, my own stuff that's that's there and it's not really the kid's fault so it's it's just kind of one of those things where again you know you 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 run up against your own own shortcomings your own sins your own frustrations that have nothing to do with your kids but unfortunately they kind of come out and it's really not their fault and then again you apologize and that's and yeah like you're saying like i let's hopefully this will you know uh this will have a good effect on them and then also teach them how to apologize and to, you know, seek forgiveness, but also offer forgiveness as well. That's cool. And it's funny that you mentioned that too, because I was, I've been thinking about that more and more lately 
um, as the kids get older and time does go fast, you know, time goes fast. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, the kids were, it's like, where'd my little two-year-old go? You know, where my yeah, yeah. now you're a teenager almost. And yeah. what I forget is I got to spend more time actually playing with my kids. Yeah. Sitting yeah. down on the ground playing with them or, hey, we're going to do a, a family game night or we're going to play mm-hmm. cards for a board game. Because those are actually the things where not only they remember that the most as very mm-hmm. loving, as very Christ-like. Just, that, that's a great question. It's like, where do you feel like God loved you today? Where, where did you see that? And I think that the kids remember that and they remember playing. Even when I've done it before where, as my oldest daughter is getting older, she's not into it as much because it's not cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all of a sudden we start getting the game going and I'll do something to try to make them laugh. They're all some dad jokes mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden they're sitting there and she starts little by little, you know, she doesn't want to admit yeah. it. But I can see her like, getting into it. She's like, oh no, like we were playing poker the other night and we we're just kind of throwing nice. cards around and making up games and she started having a blast and everybody had a blast. I'm like, Hey, we got to do this again. Well, I'll tell you what, coming up on the break and I'm glad we're on the topic of kids because as we're talking about playing with our kids, being with our kids, how do we make education for our kids fun as Catholic parents? How do we make the Catholic faith fun? We're going to talk about that a little bit after the break and hopefully you have some ideas and some good resources at your fingertips that you can share with us as well. What do you think? Yeah, sounds great. We got a few seconds here, and is Melissa going to be joining us? Or I think she will. Yeah, yeah, oh, sure. Will. Pretty After sure. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, I am joined by Stephen and Melissa Davies. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. I know for our listeners, this is a, we air this at around noon, but I thank you for waking up in the wee hours of the morning, <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah. not easy for parents. And, uh, you know, so uh, it's always nice to talk about being Catholic and having Catholic families. I know that Ashley, my wife, would love to join us more, but she's always on kid duty. And even as we yeah. speak, we're getting ready for uh, for for school. So, but, you know, we've been having a great time with Stephen and, and talking about really just kind of Catholic families, what it means to be Catholic. And before the break, we were mm-hmm. talking about um, spending more time with our kids in ways that we forget, like just sitting down and playing with them and mm-hmm. how much of a difference that actually makes. Um, one of the things I was thinking about was when we play with our kids, those are actually the teaching moments. You know, those are the things that we remember because my kids are always so much happier right. after we play something together and like, can we, can we do that again? I'm like, of course we can. And then right. life gets busy and I get to work in, but I think that those are the actual teaching moments. And I guess like now that we have you on, on the on the segment and for Stephen too, as parents, but as a mom, how do you feel or what do you think about when it comes to kids' education? Let me ask you this, actually. Do, do you feel that the mom is more of a primary educator than the dad or no? Or equal? Or what are your thoughts? Hmm. Um, that's a really interesting question. I, I definitely don't think so. I definitely think that mom and dad have... Um, both have integral roles as educators. I think um, in um, coming to the decision of homeschooling our kids, uh, a question I think that plagues a lot of parents who are considering homeschooling is, am I qualified? Am I capable to teach my kids? But the reality is that parents are both the primary educators, um, starting when their child is is actually starting in the womb, um, starting at conception, even um, just speaking and and a child in the womb, hearing their parents speaking, you're already educating your child. They're already hearing and, and learning language. And um, yeah, so that's an interesting, um, interesting question to think about 
of the the mother or the father being a um I'm, I'm more glad of a role. That. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely that because think... because that's I think a lot of times we we fall into this idea that oh the mom's the you know mom's a nurturing mom's a teaching one and you know dad's kind of off to the side and doesn't have quite the the same role but then the reality is just like you said we're, we're always teaching our kids and they're learning from yeah, both of us exactly that we're playing or whether it be that we are uh, um, doing things in different ways or they they see us do things in different ways but they're learning from both of us whether it be you know who's teaching them math does it really matter it's the numbers but how we teach mm-hmm. them makes mm-hmm. the, the bigger difference is Stephen off taking care of the babies of course right yeah the babies um, <laughs> kind of stirring <laughs> yeah that's how it goes that's how it goes in the family but no problem thank you for, for shifting gears but yeah so before the break one of the things that let me ask you this stuff are you are you officially thinking you're going to homeschool or is that something in the back of your mind or where you got in, in the education process? I would I would say it's definitely at the forefront of my mind right now it's a it's a decision we're um, excited about we we um, have been considering it for a while and um, just feels something that I'm definitely drawn towards and the um, that Steve and I both feel as we've been praying about it and discerning it that it feels mm-hmm. right for our family so it's really exciting were you homeschooled growing up or were you I I did a few different forms of schooling. I went to Catholic school for kindergarten through fourth grade. Then I did homeschool from fourth grade to eighth grade. And then I wanted to have um, what I you know, thought of at the time was a quote unquote real high school experience. <laughs> so I went to a brick and mortar high school, though I would argue that that's not, that's certainly not the only way to have a real high school experience <laughs> um, for those kids who do homeschool. I think that's a great way to do it. And, um, but I actually, um, ended up testing out of high school after two years and started at a community college in those last two years of what would have been high school and then transferred to a university after that. So I did a little bit of, you know, a a unique education path. And I think that actually gives me the confidence to know that it's okay to begin a journey and to see where it's going to lead and for parents to not know for sure, you know, am I going to homeschool the way through? I don't know for sure if, if that's what God leads me to. I would love to be able to do that for my kids if that's what works out well for my kids. But judging from my own personal experience, I know that that's not, um, you just don't know what the, what the future will hold. And, um, I did a little bit of everything and my mom was very open. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, so this brings me to a, a question that you would be able to answer much better than most because you have had that variety of experiences where you're like, look, I've been, I've been on the both, both. Yeah. Granted at different times in life. Right. Mm-hmm. We're homeschooled mostly through junior high, fourth grade, mm-hmm. through eighth grade. but knowing that having had your experience, what goes into your, into your uh, thought process now, as far as where you're thinking for your own kids, do I homeschool or not? Yeah. So I, um, I loved my homeschooling experience and I love the flexibility that it gave us. I was pursuing musical theater at the same time. And so I was doing shows as a kid, but on a, a schedule that adults were doing. And so that that's what led me to do it, but I absolutely loved it. My, um, both my sisters also homeschooled my youngest sister homeschooled the longest amount of time, but we all loved it so much and loved the flexibility. And so that of course gave me the, um, kind of the confidence to talk to Stephen about it when we were dating, we started talking about it and now having kids. About it just, early on? Yeah, we did. We did. Wow. I remember going, Oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about this. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, we did. But um, I think since we've had kids, it just seems like 
it just, it seems like the right fit for us. And so we're really excited about that, um, this, this journey. And it's, uh, yeah, something that I've just now kind of taken upon myself to educate myself about what education means to me. And so I have to kind of form a solid understanding of that as I be kind of begin this journey of my oldest being four. Yeah. Well, a couple of questions for you. So one, do you feel, uh, in the, in the homeschool experience, do you feel that when you're homeschooled, since you've had perspective of both on both ends of the thing of the spectrum, do you feel that you're missing out on anything? You know, like, oh, the kids are homeschooled. They're totally missing out on this part of mainstream school and mm-hmm. vice versa. Do you feel that like the mainstream kids are missing out on anything that from the homeschool? Yeah, I, um, I, uh, my, my perspective right now is that, no, I don't think so. I think there are a lot of amazing experiences for, but on, on both ends, I do my concern when I was, um, uh, homeschooling and then decided to go to high school was, oh, you know, I don't want to miss out on, you know, these kind of high school things. And then I ended up actually after two years, I was, I was done with the drama that <laughs> that I was experiencing in high school. So I actually <laughs> ended up leaving. One of the things I kept thinking about was, oh, prom, prom. And then right. by my sophomore year, I was kind of ready to move on and I didn't end up going to prom anyway. And at that point in time, I was like, I'm okay with that. It, it, yeah. I had gone to other high school dances and, and there are dances for high, for um, homeschoolers as well. So I'd actually, um, so, that okay, is something so that's that, important. That's important. Yeah, when so, you're so there are, you have activities. Right. There are activities there. There are a lot of resources for homeschoolers now. And so there are a lot of kind of organized um, events like that so that homeschoolers don't miss out on those kind of um, exciting times. Uh, when you, were you went to dances, were there sports mm-hmm. available? Were like kind of like all the avenues, you know, because you, you think regular high school, you think you're mainstream. Right. High school, you're thinking, oh, you're going to have dances. You're going to have sports. You're going to have socials. You're going to be on ASB. You're going to have mm-hmm. all these different type of activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that all available when you are homeschool? Like, are you part of a bigger community or is it kind of like, no, you just sit in your room and you read all day? No, certainly there's a, there is a ton of community now. I think the statistic right now is that about 10% of American households are homeschooling, okay. which is a, a, a significant portion. And that's, that's I think a lot higher probably than um, any other time in recent history. So it's, it's definitely a lot of people out there. There's a lot of community to get connected to. And, um, so that you're definitely not going to miss out as, as a homeschooler on certain activities and things like that. So, um, I know, and I also, um, because I was doing theater at the time, I remember people asking me if I was worried about missing out on things and really my, um, my core group of friends at the time were the people that I was doing shows with the other kids that I was in shows with. And so we all were in different schooling situations, but we'd come together at rehearsals and performances and we'd play cards backstage and laugh and make up songs and, you know, just be kids. And, uh, so I really got the, um, my my most memorable social experiences and friendships um from those times and and things that's, that were actually outside of school to begin with that's kind of cool because it, i mean that sounds like re- regular high school anyway mm-hmm, uh, in mm-hmm. the sense that you know when you're right. in high school you're going to classes all day but it, also right. you're in sport you join a club you join something and that's your also you know all, all, you don't you might not see these people all day long because you're all mm-hmm. in different classes and different periods but that's who kind of becomes your core friends. It's like, oh, who are your right. cool friends? Oh, because I'm part of the chess club or take your pick. Right, 
right exactly football. I'm, I'm you know with a football but yeah i don't see them all day but when we get together we get together for football and that's who my core friends are so that's kind of cool so when you're homeschool you think about that you know different houses or whatnot you're you're in different classrooms but then all of a sudden you have theater or you have ballet or you have something that you do mm-hmm. and you're like oh all of a sudden we kind of developed a friendship that's pretty that's good to know because right. it's a and- pretty normal experience and I think the thing is too, it's like the things that you're passionate about, those are probably the people that you'll you'll form a bond with anyway. I know for Steven as well, the people that he really, his uh, closest buddies through high school and things were the people he's playing music with and music is yeah. his passion. And so the things that you really love to do, I think, like you said, that's going to bring you to your core friendships and you'll build a bond over the things that you really enjoy and that really kind of lights you up. So um, I think that's cool. a great point. Well, let me ask you this, because I know that we have a YouTube clip uh, from a cartoon, and I'm going to put mm-hmm. the link on the on the bottom okay. of the video here so people can see that. You know, the, the clip is uh, just to kind of prime it. I'm not sure if we're going to have time, and I'll have our engineer let me know if we have time in this segment or start off the next segment with it. Mm-hmm. But one of the, the, the clip is about a cartoon uh, with a nun who's kind of teaching initially about being a nun and what a convent is, and then there's this big problem to overcome for them, and mm-hmm. how do we incorporate Christ in our life? But the beauty of it is it's a religious cartoon. Um, and when I think about edu- educating our children in today's day and age, I was telling my wife, I was telling Ashley, I said, you know, back when I was growing up, it was like, oh, the kids are watching cartoons, so it's okay. And now mm-hmm. I sat down to see some of the modern day cartoons with my kids, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you can't watch that anymore. Wait, I didn't know I had I that. Know. Now we've got to sit and talk about this. This is not I PG. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Um, actually, yeah, we are coming up on the break. So when we start our next clip, what I want to go into is what kind of resources do we have for educating um, if we are home- going to homeschool or anything along those lines, or just in general, even if we're not? What Catholic resources are there for parents so that we know that whatever we're showing our kids is good quality Catholic education that's not going to interfere with our values. We've got only a few seconds here before the break. When we come back, we'll hopefully we'll just start off with a clip that way we'll make sure we don't miss that video. More after the break, folks. All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we have special guests, Stephen and Melissa Davies, who are good friends of mine, parishioners from Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Anaheim. Um, we have a good time at church. We have a good time, you know, watching our kids as we run around. And, and sometimes we meet outside the church because <laughs> that's where our liturgy is happening. I was talking to Stephen about, you know, we teach our children so much. Everything that we're doing is teaching. And like, like you had said before, you know, Melissa, they're learning equally from both parents. And, you know, they're just learning whatever we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Always learning. But uh, one of the things that came up before our break is how do we teach children in today's day and age? What is good material? Because mom and dad are not always there. Sometimes kids do want to watch TV or cartoons or read a book or something. And how do I know that this is going to be in line with my Catholic values? And I don't have to, you know, cover their eyes. Stephen, before uh, um, on the last time I was telling Melissa, before when I was growing up, it was like, hey, you can just watch cartoons. The kids are fine. You know, they're just watching cartoons. They're watching Tom and Jerry. Take your pick. You know, yeah, yeah. people are going to argue, oh, my gosh, that's so violent. You know, yeah. that's something that they're showing nowadays where we're like, oh, my gosh, what's that? They're like, that's fine. Yeah. So yeah. Now we go. Now we go back and forth. Right. We go to the extremes. But <clears throat> as it before we move on, there's this wonderful cartoon. I'm going to again, I'm going to put the YouTube link on on the bottom of our show here for our, our viewers. Um, but it's material that I think is important for us as Catholics. How do I show my kids 
something good. Uh, this clip is about what's the title of the show again? It's the impossible, the problem. unsolvable problem, the unsolvable problem. And it's about a nun is the, the whole cartoon story. I don't want to, you know, uh, spoil anything, but the, the whole cartoon starts off with this nun who, first of all, teaches a little bit about what a nun is. She's like in New York city and she talks about an unsolvable problem and how we can use our faith and, and our religion to, to help guide us through just every, everyday life things. But the clip that I'm going to show is actually her teaching about the Eucharist. And I was thinking, when in the world do we ever see cartoons where a kid's going to sit there and learn about the Eucharist? And a kid will probably learn it much better from this this cartoon mm -hmm. than me sitting down there talking about it, even from being in church, because just as kids, that's how we learn. We remember mm -hmm. the cartoons. Why do I have little figures from cartoons that I had that I remember from <laughs> a kid? You know, because that's what sticks with us. So, Mr. Engineer, can you go ahead and, and show that clip? Is that possible to do right now? When I say Jesus is in the chapel, I mean Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, in the host, just like at Mass on Sunday. If sometimes I say God, and sometimes I say Jesus, it is not because I got sleepy while writing this. No, it is because the host is Jesus, and Jesus is God. You probably knew that already, but just in case you didn't, I didn't want you to be confused. Now back to Sister Mary Andy. When Sister Mary Andy stops in to make a visit to Jesus in the tabernacle, sometimes it's to say thank you. Today, Sister Mary Andy found out that a man she'd been praying for found a job. She wanted to jump and shout and do a cartwheel because she was so excited. But instead, she ran to the chapel to say thanks to God. Then she came out of the chapel and did a cartwheel. Do you have anything you want to thank God for? You can thank him right now before you turn the page. So I just want to show that little clip. You know what's funny about that part of the clip is I thought when I was watching it, I thought this is something that they probably would have shown me in religion class growing up in, in elementary school. And I would have glazed over it a little bit. And I would have been like, okay, that's cute. And not thought about it. But I think it's so much more powerful when you're at home in your home environment, something's different. You know, if if a parent shows this to you or sits down and says, hey, let's just watch this. And you're doing it with your parent and not with your teacher who you're expected to be bored with, you know, yeah. uh, but you're at home. There's something powerful where it's like, oh, I'm, you know, this is true, not just at church. It's true, not just at school during religion class, but it's true here in the house. And that kind of mm -hmm. brings on a whole different dimension of I can watch a cartoon and learn about the Eucharist. What do you guys think of this clip? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a powerful clip and it. it's a great way to teach, like you're saying. And this also has a book. Uh, so it's this is based off of a book written by Mother Claire CFR. And so um, with it, it's like you can you can read the book and then you can watch this as well. And then also you could, you know, we've played this in the car as like an audio book. And so all of a sudden you're just kind of uh just enjoying it and then the kids start to like quote it and and the all of a sudden it becomes something that they remember certain parts of it and then you can explain it in other other times where it's i feel like our kids you know we've talked about the eucharist or things and we're like you know like in uh, the unsolvable problem where it says you know it's god like and so it's there's you as long as you you can have fun with it and and just have this this atmosphere of enjoyment and and kind of in a sense repetition not to not to teach per se but just to like just like anything when you like it you're going to want to do it over and over again or, or read this over and over again or watch it over and over again so it's it's that same kind of thing where 
um, we saw our kids just the more they, you know, we read it with them and then watched it and listened to it. They just really they, connect to it. They connect to it and they and then they soak up the information as well. Mm-hmm. No, but it's true. Yeah, just like anybody else. I mean, that's how we learn, right? That's why when we study, we repeat. We got to go over the material over and over and over. You know, yeah. cram or whatever. But um, yeah, when you when you hear it over and over and you're not in a cram session, it's not just a one time doing this and you're just kind of in the in the ease of your own home i think that that's where it's really going to sink in it's something like quality like this where it's actually going to talk about jesus the eucharist these things that they hear somewhere else but also they can hear it but in the home environment i think that's pretty mm-hmm. powerful what are your thoughts Melissa? yeah i think it's great and like steven said this is based on a, a book by mother claire cfr and this is the first in a series of books and the second one is also released and um, so this is the unsolvable problem and it. The series is called The Little Convent in the Big City. And so this is a great way to introduce um, boys and girls to kind of a peek into the religious life, especially of sisters and um, just in a very real and down to earth and and fun and charming way. Sister Mary Andy, the main character, is just a very sweet, lovable, wonderful, wonderful character. So um this so Stephen had this creative vision to make this animation with sound effects with com- uh, uh, original composed music and it just it brings it to life in this new way that the kids can interact with and um and then go back to the book which is a, a big part of what we've seen our kids do uh, they love watching the animation but then they will ask all the time when they see the book on the bookshelf let's read the unsolvable problem because they have this really beautiful connection and love of the story yeah you may have a really really good point too you know the person teaching them is a nun i miss that we we don't see enough nuns in society we don't see enough or actually i should say right we don't see enough habits anymore you know, yeah. we don't see enough priests walking around in collars or people. And I remember when I was younger, I don't know if it's just times of change or what, but I remember seeing it more. Mm, you know, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't quite as uncommon. And granted, yeah. I have a sister who happens to be in them and she wears a full habit, but I don't see her every day. But mm-hmm. in our family, I think it makes a difference. You see that. And it's yeah. a huge reminder of like the living Catholic church around us. Right. Yeah. 100%. You know, it's not just in the church, but as I walk to the store, I see a nun there. I'm like, oh, Christ is still happening. <laughs> exactly. And I think there's an important kind of relationship that can this kind of exchange between the lay people and the clergy and um, the religious. That's that's really beautiful. And I think it, it there is something so beautiful about that. I wish that it was more like that, like you said. So it is helpful to present these things to kids to say, oh, this is a this is a life that that you can choose and it's a beautiful life. And so to get a peek into that is really special. Yeah. And so here's a question for you. What about parents who are not going to homeschool? So we talked a little bit about you thinking about homeschooling and whatnot. Yeah. What about parents who are not going to homeschool? who maybe have their kids in um, public school uh, Mm -hmm. because let's say they were saying, well, I can't really afford Catholic school. I'm way too busy. I can't homeschool. You know, all these things, they're going to go to local public school, They're Mm -hmm. elementary school, they're young, you know, we're starting out. What would you recommend to those parents as far as, well, how do I keep the religion alive for them? Because I'm a busy parent. I got to work and I got to take care of stuff. Got to come home, make dinner. Got to make sure their clothes are washed. Got to make sure that the house Mm -hmm. is taken care of, the yard is clean, whatever it is. And then the kids come home and they got to do their math and I want to make sure they get to college someday. So how do I incorporate that into, into my life other than just let's go to church on Sunday and that's it. Yeah. Well, I think it has to begin with the model of the parents. I think that we have to be living our faith and this is convicting for me as much as maybe any parent out there, but 
I have to be praying. I have to protect my own kind of prayer time, or um, I've tried to start to just build in times of prayer with my kids. So when we um, sit down to eat breakfast, I'm we're we're going through the Psalms right now. I'm really just focusing on Psalm 23, just because they're young. I'm like, let's just focus on one. Let's just talk mm-hmm. through it. So I say, what Psalm are we doing? And then they say Psalm 23, and then they're starting to be able to to um, to recite it a little bit. So just a little thing. I mean, it takes us maybe one two minutes to talk through. I'm just doing like the first, the very first stanza of the Psalm right now with them. And so just a little thing like that, just little things, if we can have little anchors in our day, I think with our kids and, um, those times of prayer, but, um, I think that we have to, to model it to them first. I know last night, Stephen just asked me if I wanted to pray and the kids were playing and he asked them if they wanted to pray and they were kind of deep in play, which is a, a very good thing. And so we just let them keep playing. They said, no. And I said, okay, you know, we just, like, we well, so, want to come over, you know, feel free. We can all pray together. And- yeah. So we allowed them the opportunity to join us, but we knew in that moment, it was important for us to pray regardless of whether they're actively praying with us or not. And they're in their play, but they're at least hopefully seeing our example, kind of seeing that that's something that, and that does not happen every day. That was actually pretty rare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to just to be clear. <laughs> But it was a good reminder for us. Oh, we should do that more often. No, and cool. then for, for just to see us. I, yeah, I think also we're a busy team. So we have, you know, icons and an iconic right. runner. And so I think that's also, you know, we try to, we don't do it every night, but like trying to pray in front of the icon corner as a family. Um, and, and location. Little guy, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's it's really, I think we have to model it um because we can say i was talking to a priest recently and he's like you know listen i i hear confession for kids like 100 kids a month at least and he's Mm -hmm. like they don't do what you say they do what they see you do so it's like you can you can tell them whatever you want but they're not gonna they're not really gonna soak that in or you know decide to, to take that in so it's it's really our our actions so whether we um, faith is as important to us and we pray and we, you know, um, have joy around our faith and we, we're trying to grow and, and, and incorporate it in small and big ways in our family life and personal life. I think it'll eventually just soak through or it'll be, or be little seeds that will grow later on in their life in ways that we don't know. And so it's, I think it's, um, we just, yeah, we, we have to model it ourselves, uh, and have, and as much as we can, just like, you know, have, have joy in it too. Um, yeah, and, I think that's the bottom line know. to remember to enjoy. Cause I mean, like you were saying, I mean, here we're closing up the show here, folks. And I know there's only 45 seconds left, but to close, these are great examples where we got to remember that come to pray and about your plane, our time together, just the time that we interact, how we interact with each other. That's a huge prayer in and on, on itself. You know, it's, mm-hmm. that is our liturgy every day. We are the domestic church. And ultimately, we're going to learn from our parents. If we have, if we set that good example, if we set up the icons or the the statues or whatever it is in our home, the kids are going to see that. If mom and dad are nice to each other and reading the Psalms every day, the kids are going to see them like, hey, that's what we did. That's what we're going to do too. And that's how it is, folks. I think as Catholic families, we just have to be active and we have to remember that we're always teaching and we're always learning. Until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, let's keep it Catholic.